0: Howdy and welcome to the secrets of Field of Dreams, where we're talking about the hidden meanings and deeper layers found in the great classic baseball movie, The Field of Dreams. I'm Father Corey Stika. With me today are Noel Kroll and Shelly Kelly. Howdy, Noel.
1: Hi, Father.
0: And howdy, <laughs> Shelly.
1: Howdy back, Father.
0: <laughs> Before we begin, I'd like to invite you to go to sqpn.com/slash/merch and get your StarQuest t-shirts, mugs, stickers, and much, much more. So for those who may not have seen this, but of course, this again, this is a classic movie. If you're listening to this, you probably are familiar with Field of Dreams, but it is a 1989 movie based on a 1982 book called Shoeless Joe by W.P. Kinsella. Gee, wonder where he got the last name of his lead character, Ray. Uh, Kevin Costner plays that lead character, Ray Kinsella. James Earl Jones is Terrence Mann, and the late Ray Liotta plays Shoeless Joe Jackson. So before we get into the movie, why don't, why don't you both uh, kind of tell me what what your your thoughts on the movie? You know why why you enjoy this movie? You know what are the things that you really like about it? Um, we'll start with start with you, Shelley.
1: Oh, okay. Um. Well, what do I not like about this movie? Nothing. Yeah. There's nothing I don't like about this movie. I love everything about this movie. Um, it is. We're we're a baseball family, softball, baseball family. All three of my children have played. I have one that plays in college and I have one that plays uh, baseball currently uh, in a travel mm-hmm. league. And my husband played baseball and it's all in his family as well. So everything about this movie is just like comfort and and mm-hmm. hits you right here in the heart. Um, the only thing we don't get is, of course, we've never been to Iowa and we've never mm-hmm. seen a cornfield like that. So.
2: <laughs> so
0: Yeah. No, I agree. How about you, Noelle?
2: Uh well I'm with Shelly on never having been to Iowa, so <laughs> something we'll have to fix one of these days. But um <laughs> I agree. I am from a baseball family as well. I I love baseball. At one point in time my family's like, You should be a color commentator because you say the things that the color commentator says like before he says them. Yeah. Um, Cause I watched, you know, so much, so much baseball, but uh, it's in the blood. My grandfather actually invented and patented a baseball game. That was actually a table and there were leagues in his town. There were oh, cool. banquets. There was a, a really big thing. He was actually marketing them out to the U um, S military for entertainment for the troops before, mm. um, before world war two. So, or, or I think maybe even slightly after that. So, um, uh, yeah. So from way back, baseball has been something that has been in my family and the love of baseball. And of course I'm from Massachusetts as well. So all of those scenes <laughs> in Boston with Fenway park, that is, that is my home right there. So oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> Well, Dom wanted to be in this, and unfortunately, due to some issues, personal issues that are going on, he wasn't able to uh, join with this recording. But of course, but it, those who know Dom know that he is in the Boston area, and so yeah, he mm-hmm. I, I know he he loved those scenes whenever they come up as well. So absolutely, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm kind of with you both. I, I've I've always been a fan of baseball. You know, I I grew up watching like the Minnesota Twins when they got their two World Series in '87 ni- and '91. I remember watching those and how excited exciting it was for the twins to win. Not once but twice in four years. I mean, that was it was incredible. And I've always been a fan. Um I'm you know, St. Louis Cardinals fan because I lived in St. Louis area for six years, and my uh my first pro baseball game I've ever went to was at Bush Stadium. The second Bush Stadium, but it's the one that was torn down to build the third Bush Stadium that's there now. Um but that was my first pro game and it was uh Cardinals versus Twins. And I've been a Cardinals fan ever since and I love baseball. I love, you know, and in the more I've gotten to know about baseball, so much of the the notes of this movie hits so hard, you know, because there's a, a extended quote from Terrence Mann that I'll bring up later that I'm, I'm sure you probably know which one I'm thinking of that when we get to that point, I'll bring up. And it really does speak to why baseball is so important in the United States and why it's so important to me and why I love baseball and still love baseball to this day. Still will watch baseball, you know, mm. and, and just enjoy it. and. My and every chance I can get to go to a pro game or even the little minor league team up in Great Falls, you know, I can do that too. That's i just enjoy it so much.
1: And that you know, that does bring up a point though that it doesn't matter whether you're cheering for the <coughs> World Series winners, Houston Astros or
0: Boo the, no,
1: uh, <laughs> or the the local. We used to have a little local Sugarland Skeeters and um travel all over. Every time I go to a different city for a conference, I'm always looking for that minor league, independent league ballpark where mm-hmm. I can go and watch a game. So, but it, it is, it's timeless and it, it just kind of is everywhere you go.
2: Yep. Mm-hmm. I was going to say Father Corey, of course, lives close to uh, the stomping grounds, former stopping grounds of a great baseball fan, Mary Fields.
0: Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. She (laughs) lived in this town. She's well known in this town Uh, here in in Cascade, Montana, where I live. Uh, This is where she's at. And and, uh, we are actually working on having ownership of the chapel at St. Peter's Mission, where she was at. It was was owned by the Ursuline sisters that had served Mm -hmm. here for so many years. Well, our parish is actually working on making it formally a part of my parish. So oh, wow,
2: that's exciting. And I and I found
0: her her gravesite at the uh up at the cemetery which I sent you yeah, the picture Yeah, that was of that, great though. to see
2: that picture. Right, exactly. Yeah, but so, you know she was she was a great baseball fan. Um, you know, loved children and baseball and everything. Uh, you know, back in the very early days of baseball. So Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, and that was, you know, she lived right after so you know, Civil War and right after. So mm-hmm. baseball was very new sport. It was, you know, relatively unknown in a lot of, a lot of places and grew in popularity during that time. So yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I I forgot about that little connection too. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, and I I don't want to like step on anything exactly, but that one of the things that really captured me and we can probably get into it more mm-hmm. but from the time I was was young being a history fan and especially mm-hmm. an American history fan that I've been my entire life is the the way that this movie takes you into history. Yeah. Um of course being you know, now we bring that into American Catholic history as well, but mm-hmm. um, you know, just keep doing that and touching on that. But I uh, I from the time I was young, just loved that historical aspect of it, getting to go back in time and and that timelessness of everything.
0: Yeah. No, absolutely. That's it's that's an important theme. And actually it's Good, good segue to kind of talking about the themes of the movie itself, and that is one of it is, you know, it's it's this great fantasy baseball movie. You know, it's a movie about baseball, and it's a movie about these great players throughout the history of baseball, and and even in some ways the the hopes that were lost. You know, you look at uh, uh, um, uh, Moonlight Graham, who he got, you know, a little little bit of time, but it wasn't, you know, it was it was just one inning, you know, half an inning is all he got in, in the pros and things like that, you know, these, these hopes that people had and you know, that very much that history of baseball as well being brought out with it.
1: Yeah. And I wonder how many people realize that moonlight Graham is a real person and that was, that is yes. a real story.
2: Yeah. I, so I didn't know that. Right. I didn't know that until much later, actually, that that, that actually was true. I don't know if you knew this, uh, when I was looking at things, the, um, that really beautiful scene where uh, Terrence Mann, James Earl Jones is interviewing those people in the bar where they're talking about Doc Graham. Um, those are people who actually knew him and they're actually telling those real stories and you, and, you know, knowing that and seeing that and just, you can see the emotion as they talk about him is really beautiful. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It, it really is. And it's a, it's such a great, I didn't know that actually till today. I just, I was, you know, looking at IMDb and yeah. kind of preparation for this, you know, that, um, that, yeah, they were people that drove down from Chisholm, Minnesota to Iowa where they were filming and they took over a bar and they used that as the set for all the interviews. And it was such a great, great scene. You know, again, these real people, these are the real people talking about a real person who touched their lives and, you know, everything that was going on. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Another important theme in this is family. And of course that's kind of the overarching theme for Ray in this whole thing is family. The you know, the the um the problems he had with his father, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later. The um the things he's missed. You know, he's starting to regret um that he didn't spend as much time with his father, he didn't get to know his father as well as he did. He's starting to see that he's about he's getting to the age that his father was, you know when he well not quite but he's getting older you know and he's 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 worried that he's going to turn into his father and things like that you know and that's you know a very important theme about this movie as well
1: right he tells his wife at one point uh that he's 36 i have a wife and a child and i'm scared to death i'm turning into my father mhm okay. he says and a mortgage <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's also about dreams right and he says his father must have had dreams but he never did anything about it he, he said his father was never spontaneous.
2: See, I, I, and I find that interesting and maybe from a, like a different perspective or the perspective of being older now, um, you know, he's talking about that. But if you think about it, you know, his dad, he came back from the war, he got married and then he had responsibilities and he had a son from the age of three. You know, he said his mom died when she, when he was three. So from the age of three, he's a single dad trying to raise a son um and and he says he's a little bit older so it's interesting you you say well is that true that his dad never really did anything about it or is that Ray just didn't really appreciate the the work and the sacrifices that his father made for him like you know mm-hmm. well and his dad was
1: 56 years old when Ray was born yeah right. and so that means that he was what, 59 or 60 years old raising a three-year-old. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, absolutely. That's, that's got to be exhausting. <laughs> I mean, yeah.
0: Oh, well, doing it on his own and working and, you know, everything mm-hmm. else that he needed to do. Um, And this was at a time when a lot of you know, the, the help that single parents have today wasn't there.
2: Well, a lot of times in that situation, like the dad would give the child to grandparents or an aunt or friends or somebody else and and kind of leave them there rather than actually doing the work himself right so there's a lot of it's not portrayed that way exactly but when you step back and think about well what was happening here put the pieces together there's a lot of nobility and again self-sacrifice in doing that that's not exactly portrayed that way in the way that ray tells the story
1: because we're seeing it from Ray's perspective and he doesn't right. understand his father because it sounds like aside from the baseball aspect, they really he really didn't know his father. Mm-hmm. And even the baseball aspect, since we're just jumping into it right now, father. <laughs> no, this is um, great.
0: This is no, this is exactly what I wanted even, to in the, great. even
1: in the baseball aspect, he says that he was a man. His father was a man who didn't make it. It was his dream and he didn't make it. And so he wanted that for his son. And so by the time he, he Ray was, uh, what, 12, Teenager. 13 years old, it was like eating your vegetables and taking out the garbage. And so by the time he turned 14 or 15, he quit. He just walked away from it. And as someone who's raised two players who one went all the way to university and one's still playing, we ask our kids. Every single season. So that's every January and every mm, July, August. We ask them, do you want to play because you are having fun and you are loving the game and you want to be on this team? Or are you playing because you feel like you have to because your father played and your father wants you to play? And that's a real important question to ask them. And 13, 14 is the year when they start realizing that if they want to play, they're sacrificing other aspects of their life. And um, so it, it, that is the turning point when a lot of teenagers drop out of the sports. So, so are we really resonated with that when he said that and we I was watching it with my 11 year old and his dad comes into th- the room and says, you know, that's why I ask you, son, every year, are you playing for you? Are you having fun? And you know, 11 years old, they're like, yeah, whatever, dad.
0: Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it, and of course, he, you know, he rebels and um, mm-hmm. goes into the whole intro. Um, matter of fact,
2: right. you know, but well, that, before we kind of
0: get to the intro, we kind of touched on it. But before we get to you, know, first of all, one more one more kind of precursor thing is, of course, the cast. You know, this is really an all star cast. I mean, there's there's Kevin Costner playing Ray Kinsella. And this is so with, young. He looks so young because this is when he was just first really getting big. You know, this Man. is he's because he had Bull Durham right before this. He had the Untouchables before that. This is when he mm-hmm. heard his hit his first real big peak as an actor where, you know, he put out a movie and it was, you know, it'd sell out, you know, people would yeah. go see it just because it was Kevin Costner, you know. And so, uh yeah, he looks very young because he was. I mean, he was in his early 30s, I think. I can't remember for sure. Um Probably. you got, you got uh, mm-hmm. James Earl Jones. What? More needs to be said about James Earl Jones. <laughs> I mean right. you know, he was the voice of the Unas on SG One. I mean, I mean the uh, Darth Vader on Star Star Wars. Uh I sorry, you I had almost to throw that said in.
1: Star Trek. I, <laughs> yeah,
0: I did. <laughs> I, think, I think I almost said Stargate either, but either <laughs> way. Um, but you know, I mean just an actor that's bigger than life. I mean
2: Yeah. Well I was gonna say that my reaction as I was watching it again and looking at it was actually about or James Earl Jones, that he looks so young. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't realize, like, wow, he's you know, I thought I him, him as being a little bit older, but actually, yeah. he was pretty young. It seems like I, I actually didn't look up how old he was, but <laughs> yeah, I, I
0: didn't. I forgot to look up too, but he he looks a little older um, than the other cast members. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he again, he's that that personality bigger than life. You know, he yeah. Just really just his voice, if nothing else, chews up the scenery.
1: <laughs> well, can you imagine the movie without Kevin Costner? Because the actor they approached to play the role turned it down.
0: And who was that? You know, Tom
1: yeah. Hanks. Tom Hanks. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> it would have been completely wrong. <laughs> oh, no. Right. No.
0: because And that was when Tom Hanks was still doing much more humorous stuff, like big and things like that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he didn't. It's weird to say. I don't think he even had the. I don't know. He didn't have the gravitas for it yet. He just doesn't look the right part. But they went to Kevin Costner. He had just come off of Bull Durham. They weren't sure if he would want to do another baseball movie. And he Mm -hmm. jumped all over it. Well, he's a huge baseball
0: fan. He's been Mm -hmm. a huge baseball fan for a long time. So that doesn't surprise
1: me. Archie Graham was first offered to Jimmy Stewart.
0: Oh, that'd be kind of funny.
1: And he turned it down, so they went with Burt Lancaster. But it's funny because there's a great scene in this movie where the, Karen, the little girl, is watching Jimmy Stewart in a, a clip out of I think it's Harvey. The uh, Harvey, mm-hmm. yes, yeah, mm-hmm. Harvey, where with the rabbit, right? Yep. <laughs> yeah. and Ray turns the TV off, and Karen says, "Oh, but that was funny, Dad." And he's like, "No, no, he's a sick, sick, very sick man." He's sick,
2: right? He's hearing things. He's imagining a bunny, right?
0: That's <laughs> exactly. funny. That's a nice, that's, that's mm-hmm. a great little touch. But of course, it was played by the great Burt Lancaster, one of the great, great Hollywood yes. actors. And sadly, his yes. last uh, movie role, he did a couple more TV shows and then he mm-hmm. died a few years after mm-hmm. this came out. But uh, such a great actor. And he played that role so well. Just a kindly small town doc. Yeah.
1: mm mm-hmm. And the uh, the the character for James Earl Jones, the actual character was written for James Earl Jones, Mm. because in the book, it's uh, J.D. Salinger. Okay. And uh, J.D. Salinger threatened to sue them if they used any part of his likeness or or portrayed it as him in any way. And so the uh, director is also the one who adapted the screenplay, Phil Alden Robinson. And he had just seen James Earl Jones on Broadway. I think it was Fences or something like that. And um, yeah, Fences. And so he wrote the fictional character of Terrence Mann, kind of loosely based on the character in the book, but but he wrote it specifically with James Earl Jones in mind.
0: Well, it was good casting because he he plays it so well. Oh, he does. (laughs) I mean, seeing the change of his character from, you know, Gruff and angry, and leave me alone, and slamming the door in his face to the joys of being there at the field. You know,
1: mm-hmm.
0: absolutely. Yeah, you heard a, it too. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> you were, um, and then we have uh, shoeless Joe Ray Liotta, again very early in his career.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, sadly, it passed away. It Was last year, I think it was. Mm-hmm. But such, you know, another great actor.
1: Another piece of trivia. Ray Liotta never saw this movie. Really? He never watched it. Mm -hmm. It, he said that, um, in an interview that it was being filmed at a time when his mother was very ill. And so Mm. seeing the movie brings him back to all of that tragic associations. He didn't want to ever see it again because he didn't have good feelings for it at the time. So, and it makes perfect sense, of course. Um, to not watch him in this movie, uh,
0: kind of yeah. sad. <laughs> yeah, it, such a great performance, such a great performance for that character. Again, another real, real person that you know, Shoeless Joe was one of the the eight that was involved in the scandal. So I mean, he he uh, really great char- great character, and all, all the even all the minor um, members of the 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 socks, the White Socks that were there. You know, great characters, and he did really really did a good job with them. And then two. Smaller parts, important parts with smaller parts, you've got Timothy Busfield playing Mike, who was the the, the guy who's trying to buy out the farm, uh, husband or not husband excuse me, brother of amy uh, or Annie, who was played by Amy Madigan, and of course, Mark. both those were actors who were fair, were known at that time. They weren't you know big name actors, but they were known actors. You, you saw them in things at this time, mm-hmm. you know, so such a great cast, you know, such a great cast, such a great show. So let's let's get into this the movie then. We've been we've been picking at it. I, I've been trying to kinda of hold back till we get, you know, can do it right. But get right to this intro. You know, there's there's this nice nice intro that really kind of sets the story for pictures and scrapbook and you know, just, I just I love the way they did that that intro, um, where uh you know John Kinsella was a huge baseball fan. You know, he was he loved the he he loved the the White Sox and was heartbroken when there, when that scandal did occur. Uh, he tried to play in the minor leagues and and eventually they ended up in Brooklyn and he became a Yankees fan. So, of course, Ray had to become a Brooklyn Dodgers fan, which was the Brooklyn Dodgers at the time, just to spite his dad. You know, that that's such a teenager thing to do, isn't it?
1: hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I liked it. He said that uh, his dad put him to bed every night with stories about Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig and
0: Shoeless Joe. Yep. And Shoeless Joe was a was a idol of his dad. You know, and, and because cause he, he his dad knew that that was Joe had been innocent, and you know was a humble person. You know, Ray was as, as you said, Ray was born when his dad was much older, um, and his mother died uh, when he, Ray was just three years old. So it was just his dad raising him, uh, but which caused a lot of friction, and they were separated for many years. Uh, you know, Ray went off to Berkeley, and you know, as far away from him as he could get, all the way over to California, get away from him as far as he could. Shortly after, then he met, that's where he met Annie, met his wife, and then his father died. They got married and, and had their, had Karen, their their daughter. And eventually they bought a farm, you know, because that's what you do. You know, you, you marry a, a girl from Iowa and you buy a farm in Iowa.
1: <laughs> a couple of it hippies says- from California.
0: Yeah. And I, I like that they pulled some of that out. There's a little bit of the, you know, like the far out and things like that, that they threw in there to show that these, you know, Because Kevin Costner kind of came across as kind of a straight laced, you know, kind of middle class businessman type figure. You know, he didn't look like a hippie, you know.
1: Uh, You know what? Growing up in the 80s, um, some of my parents, best friends, one of them who was just the nicest, modest, you know, easygoing very Kevin Costner style. And he was a hippie and they showed me a picture. He had the long hair and more of the clothes and the thing on his, (laughs) what is the little like bandana on his head? And I'd have never in a million years as a, as a teenager imagined that he was one of those hippies, (laughs) but you know, we're talking and some of the people listening, they won't know this because those hippies are now in their Mm seventies, you know, I mean, they're,
0: yeah, the generation people, ahead of us. Woodstock so. was 69. I mean, how many years ago was that? I'm 50 not some talented. years ago. <laughs> Stop yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's like those hippies are are you showing your your eight? No. <laughs> I
1: was not alive when Woodstock happened.
0: There you go. Neither was I, so <laughs> Not far beyond that, but not when it happened. But, you know, that but the people who went there, they were in their teens, 20s. Well, I had 50 some years onto that. And that's where they're at. So, yeah, you're right. They'd be definitely in their seventies, you know? And so, um, and, and see in a lot of the people, when they think of the people, of the eighties, you know, the people who were the businessmen, they were men, they were the, the fathers and the mothers. They were the, you know, the, the CEOs and everything. Yeah. They were the hippies. That's what they became in the eighties. So kind of teenagers in
1: college, didn't grow up and they go and do normal things that everybody does. So, I will say watching this movie again, because this movie was came out in 1989. I think you mentioned that it was very it had a real good feel to it for me. It was it was a lot of memories of a much easier going time. That they're driving around and they don't have GPS and they're driving around and they don't have cell phones. They're calling from pay phones. They're waiting for someone to call. They don't know exact. Annie never really knows where her husband is when he goes out on the the, the road trip. And um, you don't you don't get that today. And and so it was just a much it was like taking a deep breath and relaxing and you didn't realize you were holding your breath. Does that mm. make sense?
0: Yeah. No, absolutely. I agree. Nicely. agree. Yeah. Cause it's yeah, the idea of actually having to stop at a gas station and use a payphone yeah, to call someone. Yeah.
1: Nowadays we'd be like spraying it down with hand sanitizer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, people did that back then too. You know, <laughs> those were the germaphobes. <laughs> but yeah, so. yeah, it is, it is a different, it is a different time compared to what we're used to today, you know, and, and it, it's, it's, It's a good thing. A Good thing. Kind of see things a little bit simpler. Um,
1: Did you notice that when he first hears the whisper, um, if you build it, he will come. Mm -hmm. Um, He goes in and tells his wife about it. And she's like, you know, this could be an acid flashback from the from the 60s.
0: (laughs) Well, it gets better because he goes, I never did. I never did LSD. Well, maybe it's a fourth. Flash, you know, or something like that, you know, flashing forward. Um, yeah. yeah, we. Oh, I forgot to mention that cast member, the voice. You look in the credits; the voice is himself. Yeah, and the uh, the the director or the producer has never said who the voice is. Isn't that crazy? He, he purposely had a bunch of people, including Ed Harris, who was married to Amy Madigan at the time. And many of the cast members record the voice lines and he's never said which one it was. Mm. So it's still a secret who the voice was. But of course, that's probably the most famous part of the movie. If you build it, he will come, you know?
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, Everybody knows that line. We don't know. Yeah. You got to have those (laughs) secrets once in a while. That's (laughs) kind of fun.
1: No,
0: but yeah, he's out. uh, You got to love that. He's, I love that scene where he's out in the field and he's, hears the voice. And of Course his, his his wife thinks he's nuts and he goes, Well yeah, I probably am but <laughs> uh and then he goes into the the feed sales. He goes into the, 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 the farm sales and starts asking about it. Raise hearing voices and everybody looks it's like Oh uh, no, <laughs> not me. I'm just asking if it happens. Seriously. Uh see ya
2: <laughs> I was just saying it's such a small town thing, right? <laughs> All of yep. a sudden it's like passing here and there. And everybody, what, what,
1: what? <laughs> I Think about what a crazy thing this is. If you build it, he will come. And you look out and you have this vision of a baseball field in the middle of your cornfield. And this is your livelihood. I mean, this is your finances. This is everything. This is how you're going to feed your child and, and the, the farm that you own. Everything's at risk. His whole life is at risk. And his wife says, well, uh, you know, if you really think you should do it, go ahead. And you're kind of like, what? <laughs> yeah. like, I honestly don't think that's something I would tell my husband. You know. Uh,
0: well, he says it's like my last spontaneous thing because I've never done anything crazy. Is what he put? How he puts it in the intro? Uh, kind of his mm-hmm. last spontaneous thing he's going to do is build this field, this 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 ballpark, and he does. He. Gets I love the old John Deere tractor he's riding the old open open cab John Deere tractor, and uh, he plows it down. He mows it down and builds the field. And of course, and all the neighbors montage. are
1: standing and in... yep.
0: um, yeah, yeah. He's they, they, got quite the show there, you know, It's a small town. They got nothing better to do. So let's go go watch him build this field and see what's going on.
1: You know what this is? This movie, this this voice.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's a calling. I mean. It's just straight up a calling, you know. His wife supports him, even when it's difficult, and they face the prospect of losing everything they own. He's plowing up the field, and neighbors are gathering. They think he's crazy, you know, Noah in the Ark. (laughs) Just you know, you get a calling, and you can't not do it, you know. And all these people come with him or hear it also, and they they guide him or they advise him or they they walk with him on the journey but in the end it's a calling that leads him oh no no give away the ending the movie's from 1989 (laughs) i'll say it when we get there
0: i'm not i'm not spoiler season ends after about two weeks as far as i'm concerned so where
1: it's going is
0: yeah no absolutely you know and it's in they do play with that this idea that this was a vocation this was a call and that those who have the vision to hear the call they see the players. Mm-hmm. You know, I love right. those scenes where where uh, Mark doesn't see them until Doc steps out of the field and all of a sudden, where do these players come from?
2: Right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he hears the he call at that at point.
2: Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah no, it, that's that's a that great, great insight, though. It really is kind of like a vocation. You know, we talk about vocation in the church. Well, we have vocate okay calls to different things in our lives and they're not always, you know, career or marriage or whatever it's something else so yeah that's a great great insight but i i love that i love that montage of him building the field and then what's going to happen and like many calls he has to wait a whole season he waits a year basically because you know he's looking out the window waiting to see something and nothing happens and you see it's snowing and it's christmas and nothing happens and then one day, his you know they're arguing about money, and his daughter says, uh, "What's the man doing out on the field?"
1: <laughs> I think I had, I thought a, a, you know, like a little child shall leave them shall lead them right because mm-hmm. she does all the time. She's always like, um, "Daddy, there's a man on your field." Yeah, <laughs> Daddy, Daddy, the baseball game has started.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: You don't have to give up the farm, Daddy.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Just little voice all the time.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's always kind of the voice of reason, kind of. <laughs> I mean, voice <laughs> of reason within the call, but mm-hmm. yeah. She's always kind of the one to, you know, kind of say, Oh, no, you can keep doing this. This is fine.
1: You know, and it occurs to me, too, that he always knew a shoeless Joe from the beginning when, when Annie kept saying, Well, what do you think this means? And he's like, It's got to be shoeless Joe. If you build it, he will come. He he's got to be Shoeless Joe because you know my dad always talked about him, and it was my dad's greatest hero. Um, so, and then he gives him a little background on Shoeless Joe Jackson and the White Sox. So,
0: and of course, he goes out and gets to meet Shoeless Joe and throw pitches at him. I love the uh, both the for, you know, of course, the first time he tries to swing and he misses, it just kind of you know, does you know, batting practice and misses. The second, you know, gets a couple out there and then he switches to doing pitching. And that scene where uh, Ray Liotta, Shoeless Joe, hits the ball, hits the ball bag. That was a mistake. And Kevin Costner mm-hmm. was able to just react so well that they just kept it in the movie.
1: Oh, And he <laughs> says, can you hit my curve? Yep. And he hits it. Yeah. yeah.
0: And so Kevin Costner dives. Right <laughs> yeah. That was a mistake. That was supposed to happen. He was supposed to, again, he was, I suppose yeah. he was probably supposed to pop it out. You know, out they home just run. Stays in but,
2: character.
0: Yeah.
1: I love the lines. Don't we need a catcher? Uh not if you not if you get it near the plate, we don't.
0: Yeah. <laughs> did such a such a good Reliota did such a good job of just kind of deadpanning so many lines like that. It's like, mm-hmm. no, that ain't gonna happen. But then of course it goes from shoeless joe to all of the white sox eight. And uh, you know, I love it. They're sitting there arguing and giving each other guff and they're cursing and swearing. And there's a little girl, a little kid over here. Oh, sorry, kid. That's okay. <laughs> I don't mind. <laughs> Shoeless
1: Joe has Ray Liotta does a, a really nice speech for a lot of uh, older people who played baseball. Um, when he talks about how much he loved the game. I'd have played it for food money. The sounds, the smells. And then he says, did you ever hold a ball or a glove up to your face and smell it? And my family, we do that all the time. My husband oh, does yeah. uh
0: Oh, yeah. Uh,
1: glove. Can, he he does gloves for a living. He does a uh, relacing, conditioning, repair. Oh, cool. And so we've always got people dropping gloves off. And you can always tell the, the leather by the smell. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: And we'll get different brands. Like, so my daughter, the one that plays, she's always got her nose in her glove. And so when he says this and you're talking about it, you know, the crowds rising to their feet and the ball hits deep. And he kind of sighs and say, I'd have played it for nothing. And I think anybody who's ever played that game, they know that moment, that feeling, and just mm-hmm. captured so beautifully.
0: Yeah, that 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 especially that smell of the leather, but just the whole sights and sounds and experiences of baseball. You know, again, right. even if it's just you know street ball or played in a you know an empty lot somewhere, or going to the big stadiums, just the whole experience. Yeah, and then um, there was a company a few years ago that actually worked with Rawling uh, Sports to create seat covers out of baseball glove leather. Yeah. And I was so tempted
2: again, because that smelled.
0: And of course it is, you know, it it is a leather that it's, it's very supple. It's very, you know, soft, you know, and it, it, it would be, you can imagine it'd be pretty, pretty comforting to be driving with that, you know, sitting on a seat with that covering it. But, and then again, having that smell too and everything, getting that do, experience.
1: Do not tell my husband that he'll want one.
0: Yeah, I figured his watch. (laughs) So, so again, kind of getting back into the the story here, you know, uh, Ray thinks, okay, I've done it. I have built it. He's come. He's brought his friends. They're bringing friends. You know, eventually you get this where there's, you know, there's two teams, there's full teams of, you know, people from all different or, you know, players from all different teams from all different eras. And then he hears ease his pain, ease his pain. And he's saying, well, I, I did that. I'm letting Shoeless Joe play baseball again. And that wasn't it. And that's and so he goes and starts doing some research. in, in into uh Terrence Mann.
1: Right. And he came up with the Terrence Mann idea because they were at that PTA meeting. Yep. Well, they wanted to ban the books. See, even after what was 30 years, and we're still, you know, yeah. <laughs> ban the books. And the book that they've got is The Boat Rocker by Terrence Mann. Right. The classic novel. Pulitzer Prize winner. And Annie's like, she's on a tear, man. This girl is not letting it go. And fun. she's, you know, ah. and Ray's like, I got it. And he's dragging her out of the meeting. I got it. Ease his pain. And she's like, well, what's he got to do with baseball? And he's like, oh.
0: And then he finds that magazine.
1: Yep. And the irony that the twist, the the hero of the story is that that Terrence Mann wrote is named John Kinsella. Well, that's his dad. Mm-hmm. What are the odds? Yep. <laughs> you no. Know? So now he's like, OK, I got to take Terrence Mann to a baseball game.
0: Really? In Boston. <laughs> in yeah. Boston. And she's like,
1: well, hang on, hang on. I've, I've been real supportive of you all this time, right? I let you plow up the field. We're buying on the mortgage. We don't have any more savings. You know, you believed in it. Why isn't this enough? You know, you're crazy. And he's like, no, no, we're, we're dealing with primal forces of nature here. You know, I, it, there's a reason. and I, I feel so strongly about it more than anything else in the world. I got to be there. Something's going to happen. And she's like, hang on a sec is Fenway the one with like the big green wall? Oh, yeah. And he's like, <laughs> yes. And she's like, okay, I dreamed last night you were at Fenway Park with Terrence Mann. And he's like, and we're sitting on the first baseline and she goes, keeping score and he goes, and eating a hot dog. And they're like, we had the same dream. I dreamed the exact same thing. I goes, I'll help you pack, honey. Let's go. Yep. <laughs> right.
2: Right, I love that scene.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I lo- the, uh, the, the the PTA meeting first of all was just so great. I mean it, it was a little cringe worthy because of course you've got the stereotypical conservative moral majority type you know mother, mm-hmm. but okay, we can get past that. Cause I, I like I love her line about, you know, who wants to throw out the constitution, go to Nazism and nobody <laughs> raised their hand. Who's for the Bill of Rights? Who's for the Constitution? Yeah. Raise your hand, you know. <laughs> Let's go. And she's right. all, she's all bummed. Did you see me? I still got it. I still got it. <laughs> she was back at a protest rally. <laughs> yeah. Flashback yeah. to the sixties. That's for sure. But, uh, but yeah, so they, they, they figure out, okay, need to go, go find Terrence Mann. And I, that's, you know, of course he's driving. I, of course I love the microbus. I love the old VW bus van. You know, that's such a great little van. But as he's driving through Boston, going, Hi, I'm you know, I'm Ray, Ray I'm da 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 da, da I, you know, this, that, and get in the van. You know, these get like he's gonna hijack him, you know. He's gonna kidnap him and get in the van. You know, oh, I
1: know. <laughs> here he's meeting his 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 hero. Oh, and tie dyed software, you know, the nod to yeah. the sixties, tie-dyed Yep, oh yeah. And he slams his door in his face. It's <laughs> like I came 1500 miles to see you. I am risking losing my home. I I, I've got, I'm alienating my wife. I'm just asking you for one minute, you know? And he's like, you once wrote and he's like, Oh my gosh, you're from the sixties. Okay. Peace. Love. Don't get out of here.
0: Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) i was trying to fumigate him.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. You got the old bug fumigator. (laughs)
2: Yeah.
1: (laughs) And when he comes back with his finger in the pocket, like it's a gun. And he knows it's not a gun and he knows he knows it's not a gun. And they're just and he's about to hit him with the Cobra. And he's like, wait, you're a pacifist. You're like, oh, dang it. What's he, he going to take to get you to just leave me alone? <laughs> you got to go to a baseball game.
0: Yeah. Fine. Well, let's go. <laughs> you know, it was interesting, though, because there's that article, which at, at that time, Terrence says, oh, I didn't actually say that mm. where he was, you know, he was a fan of the the He loved going to Ebbets Field. He wanted to play in Ebbets Field. And he stopped going to baseball after it was torn down, after the Dodgers left. Well, of course, Ray was rooting for the Brooklyn Dodgers who played in Ebbets Field. Mm -hmm. So there was that connection there between the two of them where they both had this this love of baseball from this field and from this team. You know, I thought that was kind of a cool connection. Of course, eventually, he does admit, yes, I did say that. And yes, it's true. You know, Mm -hmm. but he, he didn't want to admit at the time that that he was annoyed with Ray.
1: Well, it wasn't time to admit it yet. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Cause when he admits it later, it's, it's like that big reveal of why you, it's like, because it, the game means as much to me as, as you thought.
0: Yep. Exactly. So, yeah, exactly. No, that, that, and that's so true. Okay. Well, of course they go to the game, you know, they, they go, go to Fenway park and uh which by, by the way, uh Ben Affleck and uh, Matt Damon were, were teenagers in that scene somewhere. I didn't see them, but they're there somewhere.
1: I didn't see Mm. them and I didn't know it, so I wasn't looking for them. But now I'm going to go back and look.
0: Yeah, this is again, this is very, very (laughs) early on. They were teenagers, so they were kind of just starting their careers.
1: I was too Uh, busy picking my jaw up from the fact that two hot dogs and
0: two beers cost seven (laughs) dollars. Yeah. And that was ballpark (laughs) cost.
1: I know You can't (laughs) get one of those today for seven (laughs)
0: dollars. Well, you you can still find a dollar dog night, maybe, but not the (laughs) beers. Each Mm-mm. beer would be eight dollars. Fifteen. 15 and I, it's been a while since I've been to a pro game, so our little, uh, our little field here, one of the breweries, uh, the microbreweries here in town, will do a five dollar, five dollar beers, and they're the twenty ounce beers. So it's I'm basically gonna... the same cost as a pint at their at their pub, their brew pub. So that's when I'll go up there, so I can go get drink, you know, cheap beer. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that's 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 another just another you know great scene where he's just he's in there he's eating you know uh, Terrence is in there eating his hot dog drinking his beer but if he didn't have a hot dog and beer in his hand you know his arms would be crossed the mm-hmm. whole time
1: yeah and he's keeping score uh, Ray Ray's keeping score and it looked like it's around the third maybe between third and fourth innings and uh, all of a sudden there's another message
0: yeah before we get to that just again for those who might not be baseball fans that's one of, that's part of the baseball experience is keeping score. It's writing down what each batter does, what pitcher does. You know all the, you know the all the different codes. You know two B and three two one. You know all the different numbers and everything, and who who got who out and who got the home runs. And that's such a baseball experience. <laughs> you know to, to do that. No, no. I don't know. If, I mean, I know some sports people like to keep track of like for football how many yards and stuff like that. But it's not the same. Not the same as baseball.
2: No, and it's kind of a shorthand. It's basically writing the story of the game mm-hmm. throughout. You can go back and uh, literally read the story of what happened when you yeah. kept score like that. And you, you, yeah, there's no other game that you can really do that with.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Yeah, they, they kind of do some of that, like I said, with football now, where they can show it on you know you can watch the game through the game cast online, but it's still not the same as baseball with that. It really right. isn't. Uh, but yeah, he gets he gets his message and it's on the, the dis display board. Uh he sees the sp- display board flickering and then you know, go the distance. Go the distance. And uh and that's where he finds out about uh Moonlight Graham. You know, mm-hmm. that he's go to go find this Moonlight Graham in Minnesota. And he, he of course he turns to to Terrence and said, Do you see it? See what? Do you hear it? You don't know no. What? Did you get another message? Yeah, well, it doesn't matter. You don't need to be here. Let's go. And yeah, then you right.
1: know, And when he drops him off and then he starts to pull away, he's like, man, Ray, I wish I had your passion. You've got such a passion. That's that's a great thing to have. And he's like, you got a message, didn't you? Well, yeah. What's it say? I'm not telling. It's no big deal. And he starts to drive off. And when the headlights hit, yeah, Terrence Mann, James Earl Jones, standing in that street like that. And he says, go the distance. And you're just like, yes.
0: (laughs) Yeah. 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 uh... He mentions, you know, that Moonlight Graham's like, "I'm crazy to do this, but let's go."
1: Right. I mean, all of a sudden he's all in. It's kind of like Annie when she realized that, you know, she had the dream of him at uh, Fenway Park. All of a sudden, it's the exact same thing with with Terrence Mann. All right, I'm all in. Let's go. Yep. <laughs> okay, what changed? <laughs>
0: And then you get the, the road trip sequence again. You know, I, I love that they, you know, they, they do the little interspersed road trip sequences where they have those, they make the stops and hit the, the little cheap hotels. And
1: yeah. do you realize how long that drive mm-hmm.
0: is? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> two thirds or at least half the country, if not two thirds of the country.
1: 23 yeah. hours. Yes, I'm the crazy person who mapped it out. <laughs> yeah. 23 hours today on the interstates to drive mm-hmm. to Chisholm, Minnesota.
0: Yeah. Now I'm trying to remember, is that in more northern Minnesota? Mm hmm. Okay, that's what I thought.
1: Yeah, except near Canada.
0: Yeah, by Duluth in that area. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I I thought so, but I couldn't remember for sure.
2: You know, Moonlight Graham, Doc Graham, was actually from North Carolina. He's from the South. And, you know, he played in a number of uh, sort of minor leagues, actually up and and around New England uh, for a bit before he got into his one one game, one major league game. And then unlike in the movie, he played for three years in the minor leagues before he left. But I was trying to look it up because I was wondering, I thought that's so interesting. Like, how did he go from his families in the South and in playing on the East Coast to being a doctor all the way out in Minnesota? I don't know. There was nothing that really indicated why that was. But he spent 50 years as a doctor out out in Minnesota.
0: We know his dad was his father was a doctor, and that's why he became a doctor as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, he was married for much most of his li- life as a doctor, and you know, and of course, right. it was, it was part of the community. You know, was beloved by the community.
2: That one scene where the that woman's reading the obituary um, that that's his actual obituary that she's reading in the movie, um, and so all those things that they talk about about him and what he did as a doctor in the community, those are all. Actual, actually, him.
0: That's that's what makes it so fun because yeah, he is—he was a real person, and as we said earlier, he was—you know—the people that were being interviewed about him by Terrence Mann were real people who knew him from the community, and you mm-hmm. know, were more than happy to come down and talk about, come down to the shooting and talk about him. So that's pretty cool. That's really yeah. really cool. But then yeah. you know, we have that. Of course, he had died. You know, we find out that he had died in '72, um, and so uh, all of a sudden raised back in 1972. I love the old, old Plymouth where he scrapes the mud off the license plate and, you know, to see it's 1972 and just, and the Godfather was the new, the greatest new movie ever, you know?
1: Yeah. Yep. And sure enough, who's walking on the streets out there, but old Doc Graham.
0: Yep. Heading home for supper. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: And they get to talking, you
0: know,
1: and he asks them about, you know, that, experience at the, in the majors, that one half an inning and what uh was really neat. He said, well, you know, what was your wish? You know, what, what, you know, what would you have wanted to do? Did you, you never got to hit? And he's like, man, I would like to have stared down a major league picture. And right as he's in wind windup, wink. <laughs> I mean, all of us are laughing because <laughs> it's just so silly. <laughs> but when he describes what he wished he could have done, so Ray's like, hey, what if I told you uh, I got a field and you yeah. could do that? You want to you want to go with me? And he's like, nope, nope. He's like, man, 50 years ago, you you came this close, this close. And some men would kill to get that close to their dream. You know, <laughs> they'd consider it a tragedy. And I love what he says in return. He says, son, if I had never become a doctor, that would have been a real tragedy.
0: Yeah.
1: And he's like, and then he smiles. You're just mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh! Yeah, <laughs> that was. I
0: mean, but then, of course, on the drive back, they're coming. up They're they leaving town, or you know, somewhere on the way back to Iowa, and they see a hitchhiker who has baseball stuff and looks kind of old fashioned. And it was Archie Graham. Yeah, a like, much younger
1: a- age. All the karma I can get. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm just gonna do this.
1: Oh, and they were going home. Remember, uh, he had he had finally spoken to Annie, and she said. The bank sold the note on the farm when they're going to foreclose in the morning or the next day.
0: Well, sold it to her brother.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, her which brother was he
0: going to. He's, he's kind of he was kind of a slimy character through about ninety percent of the movie till the very end.
2: I know. I was wondering why is her brother? Why is her brother like trying to force them to sell and and you to know, make money off of it? Being so mean to them.
1: Never made sense to me. And see, he thought he was being nice to them. The bank could have sold it to anybody, but he bought it. He and his partners so that he had worked out a deal. You sell it to us and we'll let you stay on the land. We'll, we'll help you out. We'll make sure you get through all of this financially. And he thought he was doing her a favor.
0: Yeah, and she, she refused to sign until he was, until Ray was back, you yeah. know, so, but she didn't tell him, you know, she didn't tell him that, that they were sitting there in the in the kitchen waiting for him, you know, waiting for signatures, Mm -hmm. but it does, but it does come to a head here when they, they do get back as including picking up Archie Graham and uh, they're all, they're playing Mm -hmm. and they're, you know, and it's it's such, you know, such great scene. Of course he's, he goes out there and he gets in, in uniform and he goes and goes and gets his hit. Such a great, that's such a fun scene where he does his little wink and the pitcher gets mad and throws at his (laughs) head and,
1: Oh, that's, that's another, I told you, we all have baseball quotes that we use a lot around the yep. house. That's another one. So the first two are high and tight. What's the next one going to be? Well, yeah. either low and away, or what do you think? Uh, uh, either low and away or in my ear? Well,
0: uh, the <laughs> one we always say is,
1: well, look for low and away, but watch out for it in your ear.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's such a great, such a great line. Again, another baseball thing. I mean, that that's, that's another part of baseball. They try to ca- crack down on it, but. Uh, giving a pitcher or giving a uh, a hitter a little a uh, couple of little warning shots like that is is a part of the sport as well.
1: Well, when the first one goes by and the kid looks so terrified and, and the catcher says, uh, "Be glad that wasn't his fastball." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he turns to the umpire. Hey, how about a warning here? He goes, "Yeah, yeah. Uh, watch out! You don't get yourself killed, kid." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It was uh, so he basically gets to live out his dream.
0: He got his dream. The, yeah. you know, this game we're talking about, you know, this was hopes and dreams, you know, fulfilled. And he got his fulfilled dream through the the, the field of dreams. Everybody and this is where. Yeah. And this is where um, the sale comes to, you know, the, this this conflict about the sale comes to its head. And he comes walking through. I love that he walks through the, the park, not having a clue. And the, the batter's ready to go after him. You know, wonder if, wonder if he actually would have realized it when the batter swung at him, but that's another story. Um, and there's this argument, and there's this fight about you know selling it, and you get Karen there saying, "Don't do it," and you know, and Daddy, all these... you
1: don't have to sell the farm.
0: Yeah, uh, and and gets gets to this horrible scene where she's knocked down off of the picked up and basically thrown off on accident off the top of the, the little bleachers there.
1: That one always felt a little off to me that, mm-hmm. that, you know, they're having this discussion and they're, you know, people will come, people will come, you're broke, you're to lose everything. But he goes up and we'll, we'll put Terrence Mann aside for a second, but he goes up those, the little girl sitting on the top of those bleachers, which I can't sit up there without something on my back. I'm always worried I'll fall. Oh yeah. And this little girl sitting up there and he actually like picks her up and mm-hmm. lets her go. And, I just can't imagine anybody would do that to a child, even, especially her uncle, except that it sort of is forced because of the movie. I mean, she has yeah. to fall.
0: And so something has to make her fall. Well, and, and he, he picked her up. I, I would assume picked her up to kind of, you know, talk to her at eye level. And Annie kind of grabs at her. And I think that's what causes him to lose it. But still, right, it was right. a bit, you know, why did he stand on the ground next to the bleachers and talk to her instead of coming up to her and standing over her? Mm-hmm. Things like that, you know? Yeah, that's, that's probably one the weakest part of the movie, I would say is that little scene, but then it leads to that great scene of doc Graham coming off the field. Again, as the doctor,
1: all the feels yep. when he, when, when she falls and they're like, is she breathing? And he just looks up at Archie and Archie looks back at him. And you're thinking back to that speech, you know, if I hadn't been a doctor, that would have been the tragedy. He he starts to walk, and he drops the glove. He looks down, he steps across, and he saves her. And you're just like, "But he can't go back."
0: Yep, goes he, you know, old back to the old man in his suit, and saves her. And he, you know, it's like, "Oh, this is so wonderful." You go back, it's like, "Oh, you can't go back, can you?" Mm-mm. He's like, "No," but he got his dream. He got his mm-hmm. wish. You know, so and
1: and not only that, when he does walk off and back into the corn out there. Um, Shoeless Joe says, hey, rookie, you are good. So he gets that affirmation from one of the greatest ballplayers of all time. Exactly. And all the guys are, you know, encouraging him and hey, man, you know, thanks a lot. Glad to be here. You know, shaking his hands, you know, kind of slapping him on the shoulder, calling out to him, showing him that respect. And you're just like, oh.
0: And then this is the point where we have that great line from Terrence, The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. America has rolled by like an army of steamrollers. It's been erased like a blackboard, rebuilt and erased again. But baseball has marked the time. This field, this game, it's a part of our past, Ray. It reminds us of of all that was once good and it could be again. And I think every person who watches this movie and loves baseball, they hear that line and it's like, yes, that's what it's about.
1: And mm-hmm. as he talks, his back is to the field, and I love the visual. All the ball players come forward; they they're all circling around him on the field, and they start to move forward, so they fill the screen behind him. And it's just such an oh, I got chills. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's such a great scene, and this is where Mark goes. hey, where all these players come from? <laughs> <I know. laughs>
1: <laughs> don't sell this field, right? Don't don't ever sell the field. OK, now yeah, you're he's ripping <laughs> up the pay-
0: his own paper, you know, <laughs> and then and then the last uh, last of Terrence that he gets the invitation to go join. Of course, first Kevin Costner racing. Oh, it's me. I'm the one who built the stadium. I'm the one who did all this. No, him. It's yeah. his time to go yeah. into the cornfield.
1: And, you know, we just saw The Chosen in theaters, the um, episode seven and eight. And there's a, a scene in there that I, I immediately thought of when I saw this and I know they're 30 something years apart, but Ray's like, I have done everything you asked me to do. I didn't understand, but I did it. And I haven't once asked you what's in it for me. And all I could see was that scene from the chosen where, where the John is talking to Jesus and Jesus is like, I want you to stay here. And John's like, no, no, I don't want to stay here. I want to go. No, no, I need you to wait. No. And I it's the same thing. How many times do we hear you've got to do this? And we're like, Absolutely not. What's in it for me? What are you saying, right? I guess I'm asking what's in it for me. And they're like, Really? You really? did it
0: for what was in in it for you? That's why you <laughs> did all this? And he actually looks
1: embarrassed. You're like, oh man, you're right.
0: Yeah. And sometimes that's part of a call, is is, you know, a vocation is You're going to argue against it. But having that realization of, no, this is what I'm called to do. And no, I might not get anything out of it or at least earthly gain out of it. Mm
1: -hmm. And for Terrence, this was his. This was his purpose. And and he finds his purpose here. And when he goes out, he's giggling. He's like a little schoolboy again.
0: He's just he's like sticking his hand into the cornfield and pulling it back out and looking underneath. And
1: <laughs> you can't watch it without smiling because of his laugh. I mean, just yep. big James Earl, and he's just kind of giggling. It's just such a joy.
0: Yeah. And then we come to the, the final scene. You know, he's gone into the field and all the other players are following him, except Shoeless Joe. And they're talking and and, you know, one more player is out there. He pulls off his mask and it's his it's Ray's dad, John. And. You know, they're talking. of course, Ray doesn't want to say that he's his son. Of course, we know John knows that Ray's his son because they've shown that they know what their lives were. They know they have their memories of their lives. And so John's starting to kind of walk away and he goes, hey, dad, would you like to catch play catch or throw Mm -hmm. catch? I've never heard that that way of phrasing it, but basically playing catch.
1: You want to have a catch.
0: Have a catch. There you go. Yeah.
1: Want to catch. That's yeah. 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 I don't know. I started crying the minute he said, it's my father. I'm just like,
0: you know? Yep. Yeah. That's the, the, the dust fills the room at that point.
1: <laughs> yeah. They have such a beautiful interaction too. Um, <laughs> and the, the dad, John says, you know, it's, it's so beautiful here. It's like a dream come true. Can I ask you something? Is this heaven? And it's the second time. Cause Ro- Shoeless Joe asked it at the beginning of the movie, exactly. is this heaven? And he says, it's, it's Iowa. <laughs> And he says, he asks his dad, is there a heaven? And his dad said, oh, yeah, it's the place where dreams come true. Mm. And Ray looks around and he looks out and he sees his wife and his daughter on the porch laughing. And he looks at the house and the field and the sunset and his father. And he says, well, maybe this is heaven. Mm You know, and they say goodnight, shake hands. And then he gets redemption. Do you want to have a catch? Because that right there was, you know, where he said he, he never, he never reconciled with his father before he left and his father died. And he had said this horrible, awful thing to his dad. And he wanted to come home and didn't know how. And his father died before he could take it back. Just, it's like perfection.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And then it, and we see them playing playing catch, and it pans up, and you see all the cars coming, pulling into the yard, just as Terrence said they would. People would suddenly be drawn there, and you know, they'd happen to have the twenty dollars to uh, as as a donation, and come and watch. And oh yeah, that's the end of the movie right there. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And, and the music swells, and the music is yep. beautiful.
0: James Horner, one of the mm-hmm. great composers, one of the great compo- music uh, movie composers. So understandable, and of course, mm-hmm. you can go to the field of dreams. It <laughs> still exists. You can go to Dyerville, Dyersville, Iowa, and see the game. One thing I would have loved to have done is uh two thousand one and two thousand two MLB built a stadium next to it, so the original park or the original diamond is there, and then they built a new stadium next to it, and they had field MLB at the field of Dream games mm-hmm. in 2011, yep. 2012. Uh, it doesn't look like they're going to have one in 2013, though, because I think they're actually turning that stadium into like a youth par- youth uh, camp and stuff like that. So they're actually building on it more. The, the people who own the state, the the original uh, diamond. But you can go and see the the original field and you can go to the the uh, donate your $20. They, that's what they ask just for a donation of $20. <laughs> But I guess a couple of years ago, something like sixty-five thousand people visit every year. I mean, that's just incredible. Right. So you can you can go go walk the field. You can go see the field. That's the one
1: thing that might get me to go to Iowa. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I
0: it's have been like through Iowa, but the I've way never been there. Yeah. <laughs> Twin Cities, I don't know. <laughs> can make a slide trip if you ever want to yeah. go to Minneapolis, St. Paul. No. So with that, is there anything that either of you would like to kind of mention?
1: I feel like I've done a lot more talking. noelle
2: you, you.
0: <laughs> yeah, you, you've been a little bit quieter. We've been kind of overrunning you here. Sorry.
2: <laughs> well, that's okay. No, I um, yeah, it is beautiful. You know so one thing um, we kind of just tying up the whole uh Terrence man, like his what is his purpose there? And he comes to, he comes to, you know, with Ray, and he says, "I'm going to go back with you." And he he gets to see the players and he gives his beautiful speech and then he gets invited to go off into the corn with all the players. And you're like, well, that's interesting, right? Why does he get to go? You just say, well, it's what a, what a great story I'm going to get to, you know, I'll, I'll write about it basically when I get back, which is significant because he hasn't been writing for a long time. Um, but it also occurs to me that, I don't know, perhaps one of the things one of the reasons that he's going into the corn is because, well, he hasn't been to a baseball game since Ebbets Field was torn down. The only way to get back to Ebbets Field is to go into the cornfield. Good point. And so, point. and so that's really what he's doing is going back to, going back to that, going back to the place where his love of baseball kind of dried up, I guess, for a while. Um, or, or rekindling, so I just thought, thought that's just a really interesting, interesting part of you know part of it, um, and also I mean, this is something we haven't really talked about here a little bit, but there are it's really interesting how many different literary references there are in the movie, or or other kinds of references. Like if you don't know, they kind of slip past you, but they put so many just little little things in it um to give it kind of just that depth and that nod to a lot of of different uh well a lot of of um Kinsella's writings uh kind of pop up here and there in the conversation but then just other little things like when Annie is reading the article and she's like, oh, we had a bat named Rosebud, right? (laughs) Which is a a throwback to Citizen Kane. And, you know, there's just all these little uh, things throughout the movie. So it just, it kind of makes it fun. It's like this little treasure hunt as you're watching it to to see what will pop up next. So
0: it's like when he was in the seed store, Crazy by Patsy Cline was playing in the background. Things like that. Just something real (laughs) subtle. I'm crazy. And then everybody's looking at him like. <laughs> right. Or like
2: we mentioned before, with Jimmy Stewart and Harvey being on or, at, you know, at that point, too, There's just all these little little That's things little that they egg. throw in. So, yeah.
1: And using that <laughs> real obituary that you brought that mm-hmm. up earlier, the real obituary. Mm-hmm. Well, again, not
0: even just a real obituary, but also, again, the people that they interviewed, you know, allowing mm-hmm. them to be interviewed on camera and, you know, have that as part of the movie. You know, again, that's the same kind of thing. You know, no one because I mean, it's like okay, he went and talked to people of this town. No, these were real people,
2: real from people, that real right? town
0: that met the real person. You know, stuff like that, right? Absolutely. But
2: so, right, it really plays on just the nostalgia we all have for America, America's pastime, our own childhoods, um, and the time when we were talking before when things were was simpler for all of us um you know whether it was the 80s or our childhood <laughs> um mm-hmm. but you know that 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 time when everything everything was simpler and we had dreams and you know whether those dreams were were fulfilled or not but the the, the necessity i think of of having dreams and even if they're not fulfilled of still remembering them with affection i guess you know really uh, really plays on that and, and reminds us how important that is. That's great. And I like how Doc, now, he didn't have any regrets.
1: Mm-hmm. He did get that opportunity and maybe it didn't turn out the way he wanted it to, but he didn't have any regrets about it because if he had played ball, he wouldn't have been a doctor. And mm-hmm. so it led him still to where he needed to be. Right. And I like to think that the movie itself is evergreen in a way that's timeless. Mm-hmm. Um I was just thinking that it would be nice to hear from younger people to see if they have that same sense of nostalgia or looking back or even understanding all these ballplayers. And I'd like to think that, yes, they do. Um, but it might just be because we've raised our kids on it. So yeah. <laughs> In our house, especially it's, it's one of those movies. If it's on, we're all coming in the room and sitting down. So,
2: mm-hmm. Well, I, um, we were talking a little you know before we started recording about kind of that question when did you first you know watch this movie but this is the movie that introduced me to shoeless joe jackson i didn't know who he was before i watched this movie and um you know and then i went back and kind of watched you know at at some point later i watched eight men out but i also read up a little bit and again like i was talking about i love history so i was like oh wow this is really interesting and i didn't you know i didn't know any of this and so to be introduced to that history in that way was was really interesting and uh i remember actually i i didn't know that this was based on a book as well and i remember i was babysitting for a family and there on their bookshelf there was the book oh, cool. <laughs> so i i pulled it out and i read it but i don't remember a whole lot it was been a, a long time um and it all when it's a book and the movie, they all like go together, right? So I don't remember a whole lot except for that I was just like, Wow, this there's a book. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So that was pretty cool. Yeah.
1: And the book and the movie are very similar in certain ways. I mean, just like like any time you adapt something into a movie, you know, you remove certain characters or you condense timelines. Um but uh it's been a long time since I read this book. So I don't remember all the other ways that it differs. Um, But, but that's generally the biggest difference is just characters and timelines. Oh, and the JD Salinger thing.
0: Yeah. I was, I wasn't aware until I happened to notice in the end credits that it was based off of a book. I didn't realize it was until again, until watching it for for this. So, yeah. So now I have to go find that book.
2: (laughs) I say one other interesting, interesting thing though. Talking about getting introduced to Shoeless Joe Jackson from this this movie, and of course he's you know handsome, Ray Liotta, and a really <laughs> neat character there. And you're like, oh wow, like what? What is the story? Um, Joe Joe Jackson was really quite a ball player. He actually still holds the record for rookies, batting average and, and uh, for a rookie, which is is kind of amazing, like to realize how important of a ball player he actually was, um, and how big that that scandal was the Black Sox scandal was. Um, you know it was just sort of like, wow, it's it's again, we talk about like you know we do the, do the podcast with the history and and how important it is to, to kind of how much depth it gives you to understand those kinds of things. That you know where we where we are and who built what we have, and you could say Joe Jackson was one of those people who who built what we have, e- even if it wasn't for all that long. And he has not been able to be in baseball for you know how you know twenty years now, or twenty years. Oh no. my gosh, a hundred years! I mean, yeah, <laughs> since the night <laughs> since the nineteen twenties <laughs> yep. um, for a hundred years now. But he still is extremely important for what we have now and it's important to know those
0: things. So, yeah. And he was a very beloved character or very, very beloved player. And that's why, you know, he had the kid, the famous saying ain't so Joe saying ain't so. Right. Exactly. Well, that's a good, good place to, to to end this conversation. We had a great conversation. This, and thank you both for that. Uh, I'd like to take a moment, take a moment now to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of movies and TV, including Stephanie Z, George S, Eric W, Timothy V, and Lewis M. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. Be sure to follow the secrets of movies and TVs and all the other great StarQuest shows on Apple Podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify, or any other great podcast apps. We're also on YouTube at youtube.com slash StarQuest media. And if you've enjoyed this discussion, Please share it with your friends and help us grow our audience. To find discussions of other movies and TV shows, and to send feedback, please visit sqpn.com slash secrets. Our email for feedback is secrets at sqpn.com. And you can follow StarQuest on social media. Our Facebook is Facebook.com slash StarQuest Media or on Twitter at SQPN. You can also join the discussion on our Discord, which we hope you will join us there at SQPN.com slash Discord. I'd like, as we finish, I'd like to thank you both for being here. Noelle, thank you for joining me in sharing the secrets of Field of Dreams. And
2: great talking about a great movie. Yes,
0: it was. And Shelly Kelly, thank you as well.
2: Thank you, Father.
0: And once again, I'm Father Cory Stika. Thank you for listening to the secrets of Field of Dreams on StarQuest. Here's another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy. The Secrets of Technology. Find it wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com technology.